Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Ariel Lelouch and Tiwan Ju on distributed acoustic sensing, or DOS, the featured special section in November's The Leading Edge. Ariel and Tiwan highlight new developments and algorithms impacting microseismic, new findings for hydraulic fracturing, and discuss their disagreement for the current rate the geophysics industry is adopting and utilizing DOS. This is an exciting conversation on technology that has a wide range of applications for geophysics. For Ariel and Tiwan's full biographies and links to this month's papers, visit seg.org forward slash podcast. And now for our conversation. So, so let's get going. What do you all think makes this special section on distributed acoustic sensing stand out from the previous ones? Well, I would say that first, uh, you know, DAS or distributed acoustic sensing is booming uh, and it's becoming a quite hot topic for special sections. Um, and I would say in the past, DAS VSP used to be the hallmark of such special sections. And uh, the engineering challenge is still there for deep sea environments. And uh, one of the papers in this section is trying to address that. But DAS VSP is slowly yet surely becoming more commonplace. I think what's nice about this section is that all the other papers in this section deal with new applications and new ways of using DAS to our benefits. So really kind of like expanding the boundaries uh, of what you can do with this with this technology. Tiwan, was there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, so uh, in past, uh, I, I would say uh, past the decades, DARS is, is really, you know, developed very quickly in geophysics. Especially, I think this is the right time, you know, we uh, put all new advance together in the leading age, you know, to uh, emphasize the new development in the, for example, subsea fiber, how we overcome the, you know, barrier using DARS for the subsea compared to the land applications. And also the hydraulic fracking, how we smartly using the DARS. And uh, I think also we have some engineering, you know, near surface applications as well. So I think this session gonna like, like snapshots of recent uh, advancing DARS. Well, excellent. And let's look at some of these papers specifically. What developments does Huff et al.'s new algorithm portend for microseismic events? Ariel, do you want to go? Because this, that's your paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, in this case, Tiyuan was the editor and I was a co-author, so I guess I can go. Um, I would say, in general, uh, guided waves that uh, Owen and, and others have been using, including uh, yours truly, are very useful. Uh, and that is because these guided waves are confined to the reservoir. They can propagate to very long distances. And we can use them, and that's what uh, Huff's papers did, we can use them to tell if their source is in the reservoir or very close to it or not. And this way, we basically have a way of saying if the microseismic events or the fractures opening are actually opening in the reservoir or outside. And that's very important because if they open in the reservoir, they influence production. And if they open outside, then they don't. And given the very large depth uncertainty we have for uh, conventional, let's say, surface-based microseismic, this gives a lot of extra information. Basically, again, allowing us to separate the, the production influencing microseismic events 
from the rest. So I think this is a very, very valuable type of analysis. I'm always really impressed when when you pull in a double duty of editor and author. So that kudos to you for this for this month. How might hydraulic fracturing change if Borodin and Siegel's findings could be utilized at a well site? So the need of uh, uh, Borodin and Siegel's paper is using something we call the garbage or noise. We use the two, you know, just throw away in the data processing during processing the, the boho acoustic data. So the author here proposed using the pump noise, it's kind of a very low frequency acoustic signal to characterize the hydraulic fracking. I like the author, you know, per, treat the pump noise like kind of music chord. You know, he analyzed this kind of special uh, distribution of chord tones is sensitive to the well geometry and also the hydraulic connectivity properties. So they demonstrated using the DARS with very high resolution, you know, spatial and temporarily to uh, record this uh, pump noise. And uh, he also showed the examples to connect how this pump noise can show, you know, the different hydraulic uh, fracture, amperature, and the width. So he kind of presented uh, uh, several examples. Even if they are all synthetic examples, but I saw the value of this approach they presented to show some promising of using DARS to, uh, you know, record this noise to, you know, help us to understand the hydraulic fractures. You know, I was coming across a, a lot of new phrases for me in Elmenthaler's et al. What issues were they using DOS to help address? Their paper is very interesting. They address a very significant topic in uh, expression geophysics. Uh, so they are, uh, want to achieve real-time seismic imaging for reservoir uh, monitoring in uh, subsea, you know, in a marine setting. Uh, they also, uh, you know, at the beginning, they claim compared to the OBN, the DARS VSP is more economic. I, you know, I like also uh, talk about the economic value of using uh, DARS VSP in the marine setting. Uh, they really address the very one big issue in using the DARS in uh, marine setting is uh, when you consider install the fiber in the subsea. So you need to deal with uh, a long fiber across the, from the shaft, from the, uh, you know, the, on the, in the air and then cross to the deep water, right? So the, the question is how do you connect your fiber with the top, with the bottom uh, in the water? So usually you need a connector, but the, the principle does is we need to receive the, as much as we can of the backscatter light from the whole fiber. So because you have a connector between the top and the bottom, so you're gonna lose the energy due to this uh, practical connector or called opto connector. So the author proposed a new DARS you know, uh, system to avoid this barrier. I, I'm not a hardware person, but I can speak. Uh, they kind of uh, propose a uh, amplifier uh, in the fiber and then uh, to uh, amplify the uh, backscatter energy from the very deep well 
So in that case, they can uh, increase the energy from the deep well to get a better, much better star signal from the uh, deep sea. You know, what are a few of the distinct advantages that surface seismic with DOS has over point sensor acquisitions? Uh, this paper is from the Banklin uh, Aramco. Uh, they address the complex uh, near-surface uh, uh, geology using the uh, uh, seismic uh, geophones in conventionally, for example. So they also claim if you can do geophone, you can uh, deploy geophone with you know one meter spacing. You can also potentially address all this near-surface problem. But the problem is. It is not economic at this days yet. So the DARS actually provide a, a promising solution compared to the uh, point geophone sensors because DARS is continuous. Uh, you can control from the, uh, the box and then you can put a continuous cable across the whole uh, area. So this paper gave a very uh, high level review of DARS acquisition for this uh, desert uh, near surface uh, area. I think the author tried to uh, present in several uh, aspects of these stars in this uh, particular near-surface setting. For example, they talk about uh, uh, this meter, uh, sub-meter sampling from the stars for the surface, near surface. And also, the stars can provide a very dense data to surprise the noise from the near-surface seismic acquisition. And also, the stars can uh, alone, simultaneous acquisition near uh, surface seismic and the vertical arrays, this can effectively addressing the expressional uh, target. They also show the data and also they try to combine the DARS data with the latest uh, uh, seismic technology, for example, the full phone inversion. So it, they also show DARS can benefit the full phone inversion, you know, to get a much better near surface imaging. You know, Kit Chambers utilized a data set to aid in traffic monitoring purposes that was originally created for monitoring changes in a geothermal reservoir. What uses of, da of DAS could you see utilized in a similar manner, maybe from an existing data set? Yeah, so I will say that this paper is very exciting uh, because the data set he used is open access. And you know, we're slowly seeing more and more data sets becoming available, and I'm quite confident we'll see more and more dual or even triple uses uh, for, for these DAS deployments. Uh, so, for example, the, the most obvious example you can think about is you have a downhole DAS array, which is deployed for, for imaging or for micro-seismic monitoring. Uh, you can use it to study earthquakes and, you know, enrich regional seismic networks. If you think about, uh, let's say, near-surface uh, fibers deployed in urban environments, you can use them to monitor traffic, but then you can also use them to detect changes in the subsurface because you have continuous recording uh, of a fiber. You have a very dense spatial and temporal measurement. So through time-lapse analysis, you can see changes in the subsurface. For example, I know subsidence developing or sinkholes. So really, I think you know once you have this this DAS array, you can use it for for a lot of things. And making the data open, I think, is is key to to more successful. Uh, applications and papers like this. Yeah, it's a good reminder that that, that was an open data set, and, and it's great that we're seeing more of that. And you know, how how would 
both of you feel free to answer if you'd like, you know, how would you recommend a geophysicist utilizing this special section to improve their own work? So I would say uh, what I think is exciting about DAS is the more you dive into the data, the more new, interesting phenomena and open questions uh, you encounter. I think the papers in this section, special section, kind of exemplified because they're not really conventional DAS applications. So first suggestion would be just look into the data. Um, and it sounds trivial and it's not so easy because the, the volumes are huge and it can be quite tedious. But I would say that, I mean, from my experience, that's where new ideas are coming from. Just look at the data. You see some weird things and then you start thinking about it. And then you come up with all these great ideas about uh, using tube waves and using guided waves and, and so forth. Uh, the other suggestion, uh, which is maybe a little bit more technical, is to keep in mind, and again, it sounds trivial, but that you have a very dense array. And in point sensor analysis, which is very common for monitoring, we often treat each receiver almost individually, just because the arrays are very sparse. And I think with DAS, we need to, you know, from the very early stages of data processing, we need to think about it in terms of array processing. And if you use the entire array altogether, uh, you can overcome the optical noise and you can overcome the fact that you have a relatively directive measurement, but the, the number of channels and their coherency can actually help you. So I would say think in terms of arrays and, if you wish, antennas. I would have two suggestions for readers if you want to look into this section. So one, this section can serve as library. Uh, you know, the studies are talking about from the subsea to the traffic noise, to the hydraulic fracking, you can definitely treat this as you know, uh, a, a library. You want to check uh, you know, some particular studies from this section. And the second point is lots of, for example, one paper from Banklin study to showing the, how the gorge lens be important for the noise surprise. I think this kind of study also can serve as like a lessons, you know, people already, already done in different uh, uh, data in different area. So I want a reader can pay attention to these small things in the paper. They can understand uh, how other people done, uh, you know, appropriately using, for example, gorge lens and also the, the trade-off between the lens and the sampling rate in uh, one of subsea fibers paper. How do you both see these particular papers in this special section speaking to the economic situation that the oil and gas industry finds itself in right now? I mean, I would say we, you know, we all uh, follow the the difficult situation of unconventionals, and many papers here, I think, can significantly improve our our understanding. Uh, you have the guided waves, you have the pumping noise, you have multilateral uh, with low frequency DAS. So I think these hopefully can make a difference in, in better understanding the, the fracture networks that develop in, in unconventionals. And by this, making, you know, uh, decision impacting uh, observations and, and measurements. Uh, and, you know, every margin, every advantage we can get in the unconventional world uh, is going to be critical. So for me, that's, that's the main uh, takeoff take off from, from this special section. Yeah, that's exactly true. So the DARS can provide a, a unpredictable the data set for the uh, oil industry. We may can rethink what's the value of you know seismic data 
before, you know, we have geo phone data, it's more sparse, lots of uh, things we cannot do. But uh, now the DARS actually provide a very kind of richful uh, information about the, uh, about the reservoir. For example, if you look at the subsea paper, the goal of DARS VST in the subsea for this case is for the time-lapse uh, reservoir monitor. If you think uh, long-term, the, the monitor work, if you want, I mean, uh, for the long term, so the DARS data actually can provide a more permanent monitor acquisition system. So that is much cheaper compared to the current OBN, OBC uh, or other, you know, monitor technology. So I think this is going to be a, a long term investment if we push the DARS, you know, as a, as a uh, acquisition system compared to conventional uh, sensors. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rank the discipline of geophysics in adopting and utilizing distributed acoustic sensing? Uh, if, I, if I rank, I would have gave 3, 4. We just start to, to understand how the DARS uh, can be used for geophysics study. We are still not over there yet very confident to to know how oh, the DARS, you know, have a true value for uh, near surface geophysics or to the deep structure images. Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was an eight or nine actually. Um, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, the first, let's say, practical example of DARS VSP was, and it was less than a decade ago, and it's now one of the hottest topics at the annual meeting, and it's getting, you know, special section everywhere. Um, and I, I think let, let's talk about the industry side. I think that the, the imaging community understands the value of having dense sampling at depth. And there's basically no debate uh, regarding the value of, of, of DAS VSP. Uh, and low frequency DAS has also made big steps in, in towards becoming a commonplace tools for, for reservoir engineers. Um, there are other, let's say, applications in which it's not as straightforward. You can think about micro seismic monitoring. Um, and even surface deployments, in which case the DAS directivity makes it a little bit trickier to use. We're getting there, but I think the industry is, you know, it's using DAS for its strengths. Um, and, it, you know, we're still working on, on the aspects that can be improved. Uh, so I, I would give it an 8 or 9, but the, that ranking was uh, kind of bumped up by the fact that you were asking about the discipline of geophysics, uh, which is also academia. And in academia, I think people are doing highly creative things with DAS. Uh, T1 can tell you about how reco he recorded thunderstorms on a fiber. Um, and, you know, fiber arrays are popping like, uh, uh, like mushrooms after the rain uh, in cities, in fault areas, in mountains, in glaciers, in the ocean. I mean, to answer all sorts of, of scientific questions. Uh, so I think I would say as, as a discipline, uh, I'm, I'm more, uh, more lenient than T1, I guess. Well, I think we can say there's a bright future, <laughs> regardless. Exactly. This, this is my point. So I think that so far, so, uh, you know, in past the five years, I think there's a boom, you know, in geophysics, people, uh, people start to think in using the DARS instead of conventional geophone for their uh, particular observation. But I would say in next 10 years, you know, the DARS going to be a more popular, more, uh, can use like daily life observation in the fields, you know, from the glacier, ocean, uh, to the near surface urban area. Well, that's a, a great segue into this last question here. 
please finish this sentence for both of you. Both of you, if DOS reaches its full potential for geophysics, it will. I will say be deployed downhole as often as logging tools. I would say it will, uh, you know, serve geophysics much better with a much big data set with a much richful information about our Earth or about our subsurface. So we have uh, more opportunities, you know, for new generation geophysics to explore, uh, to, you know, to explore not just the data and also develop the new theory to address the issue we encounter in the new data set. Well, it's an exciting special section. I I appreciate you both for working on it as well as Ariel contributing to it. And thank you for your time today to to talk a little bit about what what is going on right now with DOS. No, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, Please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. Go to the website at seg.org forward slash podcast to find all the episodes and learn how you can subscribe for free directly on your phone. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bacomjian, Jennifer Crockett, Ali McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.